0: Welcome to Grim Gossip. Before we start the show, I want to give a proper warning. The episode you are about to hear may include grim details about assault, rape, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Today's case is about David Parker Ray and his toy box. David was born on November 6, 1939, to his parents Cecil Ray and Nettie Parker. Three years later, they would give birth to another child, Peggy Pearl Ray. Unfortunately, their family was not financially stable. Due to their financial circumstances, their maternal grandparents, Russell and Dolly Parker, raised them. It's been said that their father was an abusive alcoholic. Cecil maintained an abusive relationship with David giving him sadomasochist pornography magazines regularly. He then began to fantasize about doing the things he saw in those magazines, even drawing bondage porn. When he was 14, Peggy found his drawings and decided to keep her distance from her brother from there on out. They would eventually become estranged due to her findings. Growing up, David was teased often and was very shy around girls. He wasn't a very good student either, making these all throughout his school career. As he got into his teenage years, he began abusing alcohol and drugs just as his father did. After he finished school, he went on to join the army. He was later honorably discharged and went to work as a mechanic or a new mexico state park in a city called truth or consequences throughout his life he had been married and divorced four times he had two daughters one being his roommate and accomplice to his crimes glenda jean ray also known as jesse ray in 1996 jesse went out to a bar and hung out with a friend named kelly garrett by the end of the night Kelly was thoroughly inebriated. What she didn't know is that Jesse had put tranquilizers in her drink. Jesse offered to take her friend home, but instead of taking Kelly home to her husband, she brought her back to her dad's house where he had a whole setup waiting. Back at the house, David had outfitted a metal container box to be soundproof, with an obstetric chair in the middle that had straps for the ankles and wrists on it. Above it were mirrors so that the victim could see everything that was happening to her. The container was littered with the multiple instruments meant for sexual torture. There was also a fur-lined coffin on one side of the container where the victim would be placed inside of until David wanted to play. This is where Kelly was taken to. Here, She was barely conscious when a tape played for her, telling her the horrible things that were about to take place. This tape stated the following things. The victim listening to the tape would be strapped down with her legs spread at all times. She would be raped and sexually tortured in every hole she's got, whether it was him, his mistress, or an animal. She would be heavily drugged all throughout her time with them. And when they were done with her, they would find someone else to play with. The victims were only to refer to him as master. And if he has a woman working with him, mistress. And they were only allowed to speak when spoken to. This recording is about 50 minutes long. I have linked the full audio in the show notes for anyone interested in listening to it. Trigger warning though, it does get very graphic. For three days, Kelly was strapped to that obstetric chair and drugged up on a combination of sodium pentothal and phenobarbital, which was enough to keep her completely out of it, but alive. For those three days, Kelly was subjected to a terrible array of rape and torture. She'd been electrocuted multiple times with a cattle prod. All the while, Jesse was keeping her drugged up for her dad so she wouldn't squirm. After three days, David got tired of Kelly, so he had her drugged up one last time and drove her out to the desert where he would slit her throat and leave her in the desert to die. But she didn't. Another passing car saw her body and called the cops. After telling the cops what she could remember, they didn't believe her. She had very little memory of her time on David's property. To make it worse. Her husband didn't believe her either. He thought this was just some elaborate story to cover up her infidelity. This would ultimately lead to their divorce. The next year, David would meet someone who would share an interest in his sick and twisted fantasies of violent sexual torture. Cindy Hendy, 37, who was on the run from the Washington police for forgery, theft, and and drug possession. She also worked at a state park, which is how they would meet and how she would become his mistress. This same year, Marie Parker, 22, was homeless and living in a tent with her two kids on the beaches of Elephant Butte Lake, a tent she borrowed from David. She had been selling cocaine and meth to make a living, and one of her customers just happened to be Jesse. Her boyfriend at the time was a man named Dennis Yancey. Dennis also happened to be a playmate of David's, meaning he also took part in the same violent sexual activities with David and Cindy. On the night of July fifth, nineteen ninety-seven, Marie and Jesse were at a bar near David's home. It's said that Marie stepped out to check on her kids, and Jesse followed her. She was abducted and taken back to David's torture chamber where she would endure days of torture and ultimately death at the hands of her boyfriend. Dennis, who was instructed by David, strangled her to death. Her body was never found. The next known victim would be Angelica Montano, who was abducted in February of 1999. Cindy had invited her over to pick up some cake mix But upon arrival, she was immediately enslaved. She was held there for a couple of days, enduring rape and torture by David and Cindy. Convinced her death was imminent, she began to beg for her life, telling them she had a young child at home. This seemed to have hit a soft spot in Cindy, who was able to convince David to release her. So they took her and dropped her off on the side of the highway where she was able to hitchhike her way back to town. Luckily, she was picked up by an off-duty officer to whom she disclosed her story to. But her story seemed so outlandish that he didn't believe her. He dropped her off at a bus station and went on his way. She wouldn't report it again until much later. Their next and final victim would be Cynthia Vigil who was a sex worker in Albuquerque. David presented himself to her as an undercover cop and told her she was under arrest for prostitution. He placed her under arrest and put her in the back of his car. But instead of going to the police station, she found herself at his house. This is where he identified himself and with Cindy's help, strapped her to the obstetric chair with a dog collar on. Here She was subjected to whips, electric shocks, and various medical instruments for torture and rape over the course of three days. On the third day, when David had gone off to work, Cindy was alone with Cynthia, who was still loosely chained down. Cindy had mistakenly left the keys to the restraints on a table that was close enough for Cynthia to reach. Cynthia mustered up the courage to grab them and unlock herself. When Cindy finally noticed, she charged at Cynthia and hit her on the head with a table lamp, but this was not enough to keep Cynthia down. They fought and Cynthia was able to stab Cindy in the neck with an ice pick and run. She ran for a while, completely naked, except for the dog collar around her neck that still had a chain attached to it. She was finally able to stop when she came across another house, which she ran into and surprised the homeowners, Darlene Breach and her husband. They called the cops immediately. Darlene and her husband covered Cynthia up and tried to comfort her while they waited. All the while, Cynthia was saying, don't let them get me, and he has a gun. When the police arrived, she told them everything and even led them to David's home. Upon investigation, things were much worse than they expected. The toy box was much scarier than they imagined. It was dirty and filled with items they never imagined would be used for what it was used for. There were multiple dildos scattering the toy box, including homemade ones made from PVC pipes that had nails at the base for maximum pain. There were whips, chains, mirrors, medical instruments, cattle prods, other homemade contraptions made to hold somebody's body in place, photos of sexual torture and how to do it, as well as a bedpan meant for the victim to use without being unstrapped from the chair. The police has said the smell coming from the inside of the metal container was terrible. These findings prompted the FBI to get involved and they dispatched over a hundred agents to assist with the search. That same day, within the hour, David and Cindy were arrested. After this hit the news, Angelica came forward with her story, telling them what happened to her just the month before and how she tried to tell someone. This made it apparent to the police that there might be multiple other victims. This was enough to launch a full investigation against David and Cindy. With a thorough search, they found the following, videos of multiple other victims, photos of their victims, multiple diaries with detailed entries of all their endeavors together and before Cindy. They also uncovered jewelry from other victims, which the FBI have posted to their website in an effort to identify who they might belong to It's said that David spent well over $100,000 to outfit his toy box. They went through all of the footage to see if they could see any identifying marks on the victims. Upon their investigation, they came across disturbing videos of forced bestiality, which David would later confess to as well. Luckily though, one had a distinguishable feature, a tattoo but she was never on any missing persons list or on any Jane Doe they've recovered. They zoomed in, cleaned up the photo, and sent it to the media in hopes that someone would recognize it. Kelly's ex-mother-in-law happened to see it on the news and recognized it immediately. She called Kelly to tell her, and Kelly was able to identify herself. She has since stated, that she knew her night terrors weren't just nightmares and that call just confirmed it. Upon arrest, Cindy was quick to turn on David and confess to everything as well as giving up other accomplices she knew about, Dennis Yancey and David's own daughter, Jessie. She told them she had been with David to multiple places to dump bodies and could lead them to where they were. After going with her to these alleged sites, not one body was found. Dennis was tracked down and arrested. He too confessed immediately to murdering his girlfriend. He also stated that he too had been with David to multiple dump sites to dump bodies, but just like Cindy, their search recovered nothing. Jessie was also arrested. However, she said nothing. In the preliminary trial for david versus cynthia vigil angelica montano and kelly garrett the judge ruled that all cases would be tried separately this meant that david would go to trial on three separate cases but ultimately this would hurt the prosecution's case as the other woman could not corroborate each other's accounts the judge also ruled that a lot of the things they found in the toy box could not be used in Kelly's or Angelica's trials. He was charged with sexual torture and kidnapping, not murder, even though his diary stated clearly that that's what he did to his victims because no bodies were ever recovered. Kelly's trial was first, but this case resulted in a mistrial as the jury found her story to be unbelievable. David's defense argued that the toy box was a part of a fantasy, which Kelly gladly took part in. Kelly's lawyers, however, were able to take him back to trial, and he was found guilty of 12 counts of torture and sexual assault. Angelica Montano's trial was up next, but sadly, she would never see the inside of a courtroom. She overdosed before trial, which meant David would never be charged with anything he or Cindy had done to her. Cynthia Vigil's trial was the final trial. In order to save his daughter, a deal was made behind closed doors, so long as he pled guilty to everything he would be charged with, and he did. He was sentenced to 224 years in prison for a multitude of offenses and abduction and torture of his victims. Cindy Handy pled guilty to kidnapping and torturing women. She was sentenced to 36 years in prison with the possibility of parole after 18 years. She was released in 2019. Jesse was sentenced to two and a half years in prison with five years of probation. David Yancey was found guilty of kidnapping, two counts of conspiracy to commit a crime and tampering with evidence. He was sentenced to 30 years but was released on probation in 2011. Shortly after he was released, he was arrested again for a DUI, resulting in his probation being revoked and an additional 12 years in prison. Unfortunately, justice would not be served completely. David Parker Ray died in prison of a heart attack in 2002, just a year after sentencing. Since her release, Cindy has moved to Montana, where the residents have expressed their worry and frustration about having her in their town and near a local school. But there's nothing that can be done, as she has been completely compliant with the laws since she has taken up residence there. Jessie has been pretty much off the grid since her release. There is little to no information about where she is now. She did, however, say in an interview with ABC News that she regrets being involved in any of her father's crimes. She just wants to live a life of quiet desperation. Based off of the diaries that were found, it is suspected that David's kill count is well over 50, but still no bodies have ever been found. Because he targeted sex workers or homeless women, it seems it was a perfect MO to get away with his crimes. No one was looking for them. Today, though, Cynthia now looks after women in need. She runs a nonprofit with her partner Christine Barber, where they pay for hotel rooms for women so they have a place to shower and sleep. They also give out clothes and essentials, as well as offering their testimony in court on behalf of women who were raped and/or attacked. You can donate to Cynthia's cause at Cynthia-Vigil.com. I'm about to play a piece of David's recording. As a final warning, the nature of his language is very graphic.
1: Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances For a little while at least you need to get your shit together and listen to the state It is very relevant to your situation I'm going to tell you in detail Why you have been kidnapped what's going to happen to you and how long you'll be here I don't know the details of your capture, because this tape is being created July 23, 1993, as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If, at a future date, there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Now. You're obviously here against your will. Totally helpless. Don't know where you're at. Don't know what's going to happen to you. You're very scared. Or very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose. No, you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be raped. And you're fucking sure right about that. Our primary interest is in what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped, thoroughly and repeatedly, in every hole you've got. Because, basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. Sound kind of far out? Well, I suppose it is to the uninitiated, but we do it all the time. It's gonna take a lot of adjustment on your part and you're not gonna like it a fucking bit. But I don't give a big rat's ass about that. It's not like you're gonna have any choice about the matter. You've been taken by force and you're going to be kept and used by force. What all this amounts to is that you're gonna be kept naked and chained up like an animal to be used and abused time we want to Any way that we want to And you might as well start getting used to it because you're gonna be kept here and used Until such time as we get tired of fucking around with you And we will eventually In a month or two, maybe three It's no big deal My lady friend and I have been keeping sex slaves for years We both have kinky hang-ups involving rape, dungeon games, etc. We found that it is extremely convenient to keep one or two female captives available constantly to uh, satisfy our particular needs. We are very selective when we snatch a girl to use for these purposes. Because without saying that you have a fine body, and you're probably young, maybe very young because for our purposes we prefer to snatch girls in the early to mid teens sexually developed but still small bodied scared shitless easy to handle and easy to train and they usually have tight little pussies and assholes they make perfect slaves Anytime that we go on a hunting trip if we can't find a little teenager we usually start hitting the gay bars, look for a well built, big titted lesbian. I thoroughly enjoy raping and screwing around with lesbians, and there's not as much danger of them carrying a sexually transmitted disease. And I don't like using condoms. Also, even though they're a little older unless they've been playing with dildos a lot they still have tight holes between their legs like the younger girls if we can't find a lesbian that we want we snatch anything that is young clean and well built we very seldom come back empty-handed because there's plenty of bitches out there to choose from and with a little practice in deception most of them is very easy to get with a little risk. At this point, it makes little difference what category you fall into. You're here, and we're gonna make the most of it. You're going to be kept in the hidden slave room. It is relatively soundproof, escape-proof, and it is completely stocked with devices and equipment to satisfy our sexual fetishes and deviations there may or may not be another girl in the room. Occasionally, for variety, we like to keep two slaves at the same time. In either case, as the new girl, you'll definitely be getting the most attention for a while. Now, as I said earlier, you're going to be kept like an animal. I guess I've been doing this too long. I've been raping bitches ever since I was old enough to jerk off and tie the little girl's hands behind their back. As far as I'm concerned, you're a pretty piece of meat to be used and exploited. I don't give a flying fuck about your mind or how you feel about this situation. You may be married, have a kid or two, boyfriend, girlfriend, your job, car payment. Fuck it. I don't give a rat's ass about any of that. I don't want to hear about it. It's something you're going to have to deal with after you're turned loose. I make it a point never to like a slave, and I fucking sure don't have any respect for you. Here, your status is no more than that of one of the dogs or of one of the animals out in the barn. Your only value to us is the fact that you have an attractive, usable body. And, like the rest of our animals, you will be fed and watered, kept in good physical condition, kept reasonably clean and allowed to use the toilet when necessary. In return, you're going to be used hard, especially during the first few days while you're new and fresh. You're going to be kept and chained in a variety of different positions, usually with your legs and knees forced wide apart.
0: And that is where the case ends. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, there's many more to come. Hit the subscribe button so that you get notifications when new episodes drop. If you have any suggestions, send them my way at grimgossippod at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram at grimgossippod. All websites used for the research is in the show notes if you guys want to take a deeper dive into this case.